Gonzo Histories Movie Clichés. Welcome to Digital Gonzo, I'm Alex Shaw. This week we're looking at clichés that have ingrained themselves into movie lore. This was inspired by Roger Ebert's bigger little movie glossary, available from all good bookshops that are still in business, and Amazon if you can't find one. With me are a host of special guests, all of whom are very familiar with the well-worn language of cinema. So we have James Batchelor and Neil Taylor of Gameburst. Hello. Hello! And Matt Ramsey, DC Forumite and regular Gonzo fixture. Hello! This show is part book review, part quiz, and part discussion. I will cite the first half of a movie cliché, which may or may not be in Ebert's book. The guests can then predict what the most likely outcome will be. For example, a young soldier with his buddies pulls out a photograph of his sweetheart and expresses his intentions to marry her and settle down the moment he gets home from the war. He's going to snuff it. Exactly. Dead man walking. (laughs) Give that man a red shirt. A lot of these have actually become kind of like fun little cliches that people play with when they're actually doing, you know, funny movies and like the Hot Shots and Naked Gun films specifically that kind of uh, parody that. But uh, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of the, I'm not even going to mention a lot of them because uh, they don't even do them anymore because they become kind of laughable. Uh, for example, in almost identical terms, if any old cop mentions he only has two days to retirement, dead. dead. <laughs> Now, I've divided the show into thematic sections, and the first is horror. Right, so um, I'll put you in the situation. Uh, you you guys just make the noise. Um, a woman picks up a knife. Ding! Just just moving it through air. Everybody listening, go to your kitchen, pull a knife out of the block, and then just put it on the table, and then pick it up and listen to the sound it does not make. And that's and, uh, any sound. We've that got, we've got some steel butcher's noise, and they do actually go swing as you pull them out the drawer. Well, you know, obviously out of the drawer, because there's metal involved there. But going through air, when somebody hangs up the phone, you immediately get the dial tone. Bing! Like that. If that actually happens in real life, there's a long, long, long silence for about 20 seconds before you get the dial tone. It's just basically, like, let's cut to the chase, they've gone. Sound effects. Yeah. Uh, similarly, uh, when someone picks up a microphone... Oh, you get that... As the... Feedback. Yeah. Every time. Now, that does actually happen, but not every time. Computers, when you finally get into the place you're hacking into, go... Some sort of ta-da sound? Yep. A ding, ta-da, or hey, we're in there. 
which, I mean, unless you've got like a special, like you, if it's your workstation that you specifically change to make it make a sound when you get into somewhere. I think hackers would do that. Yeah, but if sometimes hackers just go into like a, a government issue hub and it still makes a ding sound. In every movie wherein a radar scope is shown, when the sweep passes over the target of interest, the radar beeps. Radar screens don't beep. Not now, not ever. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like, if, it, if a plane is crashing, you get the sound that is specific to one i think it's world war one or world war two like spitfire or something <laughs> I, no there was there was a I, I don't know i can't remember the name of it but there was a plane Stuka. that was specifically a built Stuka, is it that one that basically when it dive bombs <laughs> yeah it, it's that terrifying sound yeah it makes the noise and it's specifically to scare people and no other plane makes that noise just the stuka god okay right um, woman, or, or man, in fact, usually a detective, finds what appears to be blood. What do they do with it? Taste it. They definitely stick their finger in it. Sometimes they taste it. Why would you taste blood? <laughs> Just to check if it is blood. It, it is might that, be tomato is sauce. Blood? Because you've fancy it, hepatitis, obviously. Even Gimli in Lord of the Rings tastes what appears to be orc blood from a leaf. and goes, <laughs> orc blood. Yeah, I know. My, no, my favourite spitting is um, Start Raise the Lost Ark. Mm. Um, I think it's Sipo, Satipo. Oh, like, yeah. Takes the um, iron. Poison, it's the flesh. Poison. It's like, if it's poison, then why are you not dead? <laughs> Just sniff it. Seriously. My, 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 Sniffing uh, is like 90% of taste anyway. Yeah. My favourite part is actually the slight twist. It's when they usually find the drugs. Uh-huh. And then they taste it. And they're like, mm, that's the, that's some good drugs. Put it on your no, it's like, <laughs> yes, that's cocaine. Well, you're going to be fucking high in a minute then, surely. <laughs> okay, right. Have you ever woken up from a nightmare the same way as anyone in a movie? What, you mean going, and then sitting up really straight with your eyes, like, wide, and you're like, and sweating like a motherfucker? No. No, I, I usually anyway. try to work out what the fuck is going on. When you wake up from a nightmare, you're most of the time paralyzed, or you're like, you might jerk yourself awake, so to speak. You might, like, <laughs> you'll still be lying down. I actually remember when I was a kid, I woke up, and because I'd seen that happen so in so many movies, I actually physically went, well, I suppose I've got to sit up now and go, Ugh! and it took so much effort. So, yeah, that's, that's what happens when you wake up from a nightmare. You go, Ugh! similarly, phone rings in the middle of the night. Do you either turn on the light and pick up the phone, or pick up the phone and then turn on the light? Pick up the phone, then turn on the light. Exactly, but you never do it in a movie because they'd never see you. You just you just be someone in the dark. You just see a hand in a very badly lit room. Well, also, whenever people are sleeping, the, the the rooms are slightly lit anyway. I could never sleep in a movie room because it's way too light. Yeah. Who among you drives? I drive. Yeah. Okay, right. If you went to your car, even in a dark street at night, and opened the the door, would you be able to see if someone was sitting in your back seat? Yes. 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 I don't think anyone has ever been sat in the back seat of any car ever and just sort of surprised the person who actually did all their checks and, like, you know, is, is driving by this point when they go, ha-ha, I'm in the back seat. Aren't you also, like, don't driving instructors teach you to look in the rearview mirror every four seconds or something yeah. like that? Even in A Few Good Men, Markinson surprises Kathy. In my, uh, my old car, I would have been surprised by someone in the back seat because the interior light didn't work. But yeah. uh, that, that's the only reason, and, and that isn't the case in, in movies. So, <laughs> yeah, as long as the interior light works, then you'd be fine. 
I'd be bloody note, surprised because I've only got one key to my car, so they'd have to smash a window to get in, which I'm fairly sure I'd notice. <laughs> point. How do they get into the cars? And I suppose they use the old coat hanger trick. I used to be stupid enough to leave my boot unlocked so people could just climb in through that, because I used to have to when I left my um, keys in the ignition and locked myself out of my car. That's all going to sit in the back of James's car. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, here's another thing regarding lighting. This is the, this is true of both astronauts' helmets and uh, cars at night. That there's light directly in the face of whoever's driving or in the helmet, which means that they wouldn't be able to see out. <laughs> yeah, but you can see their face, which is good. The reasons to go to the bathroom in a movie are never the reasons you would normally go to a bathroom. Okay, right, give me some reasons to go to a bathroom. In horror movie terms, it's usually to uh, score drugs or to yep. shag. I've got sex and drugs, yes. Oh, uh, t- not just horror, but it can't be any movie. The point. obligatory shower scene. Sh- uh, yes, the completely superfluous shower scene if you're a woman, but never a man. Uh, you can also have a fight. You can also have a smoke. You can also commit suicide. You can also escape out the bathroom window, but you never do a poo. <laughs> <laughs> no. I unless, never, it's, unless it's inherent to the anyone. comedy. Yeah, and if it's Austin Powers, yeah. If it's a joke, then yeah, but they, you will never see, specifically Bruce Willis, <laughs> as John McClane having a poo. Well, there is dogma. Dogma, someone has a poo. And then we get a shit monster. Oh, God. Yeah, but that's inherent in the, quote-unquote, comedy. Okay, someone gets chased down a blind alley. What is at the end? A Dead blind end. wall. Uh, yeah, either a wall or a chain-link fence, which they attempt to... Climb. Unsuccessfully. Right, so let's talk about dogs. Uh, I'm going to give you a genre, and you tell me what the dog is there for. Comedy. Usually to rip their trousers. Rip biting the trousers. Biting people. Biting people. Taking things, things running away. Swallowing things. Eating drugs, and then hilarious drugged-up dogs. No, 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 no. Car keys. Gone in 60 Car- seconds. Yeah. Uh, shagging something's leg or a basketball yeah. or something inappropriate. Yeah. Okay, action films. Uh, also, like, say, a disaster movie. To survive the l- explosion at the last second. Which, an explosion which would kill every other person on two legs. Um, horror film. Either to, to die. be the monster. To be the monster. Cujo. Cujo. Uh, to die. Remake. Yep. To, to be the first, the, the first thing that dies in the movie so that the uh, people go, who would do this to a dog? Or to be the only smart one who actually survives the movie. Indeed. It's sometimes even smarter than the Virgin. Uh, and a thriller... This one's a bit more complex. In something like I Am Legend, the dog is killed just to make a, a serious impact psychologically on the uh, hero. If it's, you know, more than just a straightforward horror. That one, if, that if one in particular really more. got to me. Yeah, me too. Okay, nobody ever looks up. No, nope. uh, I think you've mentioned this one, Neil, haven't you? This is so true. Especially if you want to know how bad this is, watch any alien movie. Not just alien, anything with aliens involved. No one looks up unless something they're about drips. to be killed by an alien <laughs> well, unless they're about to be killed by an alien or something drips down yeah um, but even in Kill Bill like they, they do the whole hiding on the ceiling thing and everyone just sort of stands underneath and you're like ooh they might look up they won't look up <laughs> <laughs> well, just, like, just remove that bit of tension you might be feeling they're not going to look up even Spider-Man did that one yeah and uh, actually you got a bit of the blood dripping and, and then he did look up but Spider-Man's already gone so you're like even if he does look up he'll be gone by that point so don't worry about it in horror films when the hero slash heroine jumps in a car while being pursued by the killer the car never starts at the first crank what happens? 
they usually have to turn it over a couple of times, and by yep. this point the killer's caught up and yep. smashes the window, but the car starts and they drive off. Yes, and there's uh, usually a lot of shot reverse shot of like, yeah, the killer is walking to the car, oh my god, it might happen, but it doesn't, it's not gonna happen. I think, um, was Scream one of the only ones where they're like, you know, I think the series where they go into cars and then they c- really can't get them started and they just get, have to end up going out of cars again? Uh, the only one I'm remembering, because I've seen it recently, was the first screen where she dives into the police car, but the killer mm. has the keys, and then we play yeah. Unlocky Door. Yeah. But she does, and in this one, she doesn't look behind it, because the boot opens. That's how they get in the back. In any film involving an unknown killer, if a moderately well-known actor is given co-star billing, yet only appears for, say, five minutes in the first hour and a half... It's him. Yeah. Vantage <laughs> point, enough said. Vantage point, with the exception of Dennis Quaid, the only known actor is... Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox, of course, his first film role after, like, Lost and all that. He turns up for ten minutes, and then, lo and behold, it's him. Especially if they aren't really in it, and they don't really explain who they are. It turns out they're linked to, to someone in some way, like they're their brother or something. Yeah. And it's like, well, I couldn't possibly have known that. I, I got one now on that one. That's David Borealis and Valentine. Oh. <sighs> on, a, on a similar Spoiler line. warning, but that film sucks. Oh, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> on a similar line, um... In any noir type film or TV episode or whatever, whoever hired you mm. is the bad guy. Yeah, always. And you're just you end up being the full guy or the, yeah. the hero does. Yeah. Rob Schneider was an animal. Then he was a woman, and now Rob Schneider is a stapler, and he's about to find out that being a stapler is harder than it looks. Rob Schneider is the stapler. Rated PG-13. Woman goes into the bathroom. There is a mirrored medicine cabinet in the bathroom. She opens it. There is nobody behind her before <laughs> she opens it. Yeah. She opens it. And, takes and there's someone behind you. And you get the boom sound, which is called a sting. This has been done so many times that just seeing it before she opens it, I was like, oh, for God's sake, open it, close it. Can we get to the dude behind you, please? Well, well, well at least they started mixing up because then they started dropping things and that's once they picked them up. That's when oh, they... Oh, yes, did. and then they go down and then they pick it up and then they go, boom! It's... A- <laughs> It's I like um, I saw at the weekend the um, the Doctor Who episode of Vampires in Venice, and he yeah. looks at himself in the mirror, turns around, and there's five, and he keeps looking back into the mirror to check whether or not there are five girls behind him. In horror films, after the monster has apparently been killed, the heroine inevitably drops her pants. Her pants. Pointy objects. Drops her weapon, usually flinging it away in disgust. The monster is, of course. Not dead. Not dead. Not dead. Still alive. Ugh. See, this this really bothers me. I mean, here's the thing. It would change the nature of slasher films so much, but imagine if in a Halloween film, a girl um, manages to escape Michael Myers for a bit, and then he, he, he you know, tracks her down, and then he's like, oh my god, and then she stabs him with like a coat hanger in the eye, like Jamie Lee Curtis does, and then he goes down to the ground, and goes, oh my god, and then she takes his knife off him, and then hacks his head clean off. He's like, yeah. well, that's the end of the movie, but then you can follow her for the next, you know, 40 minutes of, of what that's done to her. Yeah, that, that would be fascinating. The idea of seeing the, the reverse of that's always fun, but uh, you, this big horror fan here, so this is the problem with a lot of horrors. We're not going to see the teenagers. We're going to see the killers kill annoying teenagers. Yeah, yeah. The older you get, the more you like seeing it. <laughs> Go Jason. Shameful. Yay, he becomes the hero. 
these annoying little fucks wasting their youth. <laughs> okay. Any character planning to administer a hypodermic needle must first... Flick it. Flick it, yes, and... Squirt it out. Yep. Shoot some of the antidote slash poison slash drug up in the air before sticking patient with it, no matter how carefully measured the dosage is. Now, nurses have to do that to make sure there's no air bubble, but these people are very rarely trained nurses. So there's an alien on your ship. Everything's gone to pot. What do you do? Crawl around in the air ducts. Yes, that's one. But, like, if everyone else oh, is you dead, mean the, you uh, Oh, everyone else is dead. Activate the self-destruct. Yes, which every ship has. Every single spaceborne vehicle has a self-destruct. And every time you do this inordinately complex routine, you get a countdown and invariably a woman's voice saying that it's going to self-destruct in so-and-so minutes. Does the Hubble Space Telescope have a self-destruct? Well, you never know. I would love to see what happens if aliens invade invade the Hubble Space Telescope. They might actually fix it. Right. Uh, now, this one actually has been addressed, uh, but it's like one of the, the the most ridiculous aspects of sci-fi, if you know anything about physics. Most movies set in space, with the notable exception of 2001, treat the viewer at, to a full range of sound effects. Without a medium, air, to transport the sound waves, there would, of course, be no sound. Um, I'd like to point out Star Trek actually sort of does that. Which one? Um, the, the new one. If you, Eleven. Yeah. If you remember the, the opening shot, you see a woman walking down the corridor. You hear mm-hmm. the, the explosions, the klaxons and everything going on. Obviously, there's a whole breach. She gets pulled out so, into space, yeah. which is yeah. quite nasty. She bounces off one of the phaser cannons, but... And it's totally silent, yeah. Kill it. And, and kill Battlestar, uh, Battlestar Galactica, to an extent, like, it, it muffles the yeah. sound when it's outside. It's sort of like you get these muffled booms and things, and the camera readjusts itself. And, and yeah, it's, it's still kind of there, but it kind of it's, it's almost like... Uh, it, it's, it's at least paying credence to that. Firefly also, uh, they, they're very, very quiet uh, with, with what happens out in space. That's mainly newer productions where people actually are savvy about what goes on in space. I think about it, a lot of the stuff that was uh, regarding space was before we were even in space. So we didn't even know what it was like out there. And finally, regarding monster-slash-sci-fi movies... In any space movie, stars must be visible in the background of all exterior space shots, even though in reality there is no camera or film sensitive enough to pick them up without overexposing whatever is in the foreground. Star Trek. Any, yeah. co- any conference scene you watch, there's always stars out the window. Stars. Well, it's not in- there's no stars. It's just a trek. <laughs> Otherwise. <laughs> right. Okay, let's move on to the loosely based action round. Okay, so you need an establishing shot of England. How do you do that? Houses of <laughs> bloody Parliament. Yeah. Or oh, London Eye. London Eye's become popular as well. Yep. And, yeah, uh, which is right next to the Houses of Parliament. What's the best music to play at this point? Rule Britannia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
go underscore it go you're in England <laughs> Let's go look you can be stereotyped too okay right so um, for, for this classic action movie we're going to be dealing with mainly with this cop who's on the edge Right, so uh, what's his teenage daughter like? Is she pleasant to be around? No, she's a teenage rebel, always going out with boys, skipping. Does she get with nose her piercing? It's always a nose piercing. Yep. Yes. Or appearing in a condom advert. <laughs> Jesus. That was Does a reference get... to Lethal Weapon 2? Does she get on well with her dad? Who said yes? No. No, exactly. No, she swears at him to his she, face. She does at the end. At the end, they're yes, all very... Yes, at the end. No, 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 no. We're dealing with the beginning here. At the end, they learn. They learn that they mustn't be horrible little teenage brats. <laughs> but in the, to begin with, they're horrible. Uh, what? True Lies. Um, Last Boy Scout, specifically, I'm thinking. She was, face Off. She was a hound. And yeah, Face Off. Heat. Well. Heat. Oh, First series of 24. Yep. Oh, uh, I hate to mention it, but also Die Hard 4 as well. Yeah, oh, uh, she's so not even a teenager. But she is just as odious. <laughs> and at the end, she's like, my dad's the only one I care about. <sighs> she loves him anyway, really. Okay, right. So you, you want to get an evil person. Do you, do you want an American? No, no you want English. British. <laughs> British. British or, or in more recent times, Euro trash. Even, got... if, even if they are Eastern European, they have to sound British. Yes. Or um, uh, French is also quite popular. Cheki Cario in Bad Bad Boys became this kind of, you know, if you want a really angry French man, he's the he's the guy. I do love that the new the the two new Bond films, both villains have been French. Ah, uh, yes. It's Britain's getting back to our oldest hatred. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> that very rarely in a Bond film, the uh, villain will be American, and you won't take them at all seriously. Uh, the villain in uh, The Living Daylight. Oh God. Yeah. He ended up as Jack Wade in uh, in Goldeneye. He was a completely different character after um, Timothy Dalton whistled at him and he exploded. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, Americans cannot play bad guys well in British films. Right, if someone mentions that he's a recovering alcoholic... He'll get drunk or have a hangover all the way through. Yes. By the end, at least, he'll be hitting the bottle. Yeah. Um, in a TV series, it's different because you can see the slow decline towards it because it's like a series that build ups. But you've got to get it done in ninety minutes for a film. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it's it's a, a swift kick off the way. Sorry, sorry, ninety minutes. What movies have you been watching? Well, no, before you know, there's another half an hour for the end after he's off off the wagon. <laughs> he's got to pull himself together, right? But yeah, Alan Rickman could technically have had an entire career of just playing the British villain, even in British films. What well, like? Uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, that famous British film. Yes, but <laughs> think about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and that is watching Alan Rickman act Kevin Costner oh off God. screen. It's fantastic. And I was watching some of that earlier today because that has so many cliches in it. Like, I base what I consider movie cliches to be like on this one film. This next one could also be applied to horror movies. When someone says, I've never seen him before in my life... They're lying. They're lying. In my life basically means, yeah, I've definitely seen him many times. Oh, one that we didn't mention that Scream loved to point out, which, if you actually watch old horror movies, is true. I'll be right back. Uh, you won't be back. So you're in a skyscraper. You want to get about the place, but there's, there's goddamn terrorists all over the place. Who said there are terrorists? How do you get around? Air vents. Of course. And yeah. is it easy or hard to get the covers off of air vents? Simple. It's yeah, very, very easy. easy. You don't need a screwdriver. You just pull them off. 
Or you Unless you need to get out of the air vent, in which case you have to kick the fuck out yeah, of it. Check it. <laughs> <laughs> Even in Arkham Asylum, it was relatively easy to get in and out of air vents. Yes, but that's the Batman. Anytime you overhear incidental dialogue from minor characters about some impossible feat occasionally attempted but never achieved, the someone, hero will manage it. usually the hero, will accomplish the feat within the last ten minutes of the movie. Indeed. And actually that also applies to if somebody says just extraneously some vital piece of information like he's going here on his way to Detroit... He's going to Detroit? Uh, no, they'll, they'll catch him on it. It's oh. like that bit in Wayne's World where he's like, aren't we lucky we were around for that information? It seemed extraneous <laughs> at the time. <laughs> Wayne's World's great for playing with him. I was just going to say, or if the villain of the piece gives you something, say, an aspirin bottle. Mm. Yeah. Or in the, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, he gives Maid Marian a dagger, which ends up being his undoing. The, the impossible feat one always was made with the um, Avatar, with the, yeah, no one's managed to take down that big, massive Raptor, but the guy who isn't really a Navi manages it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about Avatar in a smidge, actually. I've got, okay. I've got something to say about Jake. Right, uh, anybody can tell me what a MacGuffin is? It is a, a plot device. That it's, it's an item or artifact that drives the plot, but actually is completely pointless. It's an Indiana Jones artifact. Yeah, I mean, it started off the Ark of the Covenant is the ultimate MacGuffin. Everyone's after it, especially the bad guys, but the hero's got to get it quick, otherwise the bad guy will kill the world. So it's a magnet, then? <laughs> Don't stop with me. It is indeed a magnet. Yeah, it, uh, it's basically, it's a thing that keeps everything moving, and you've you got to race <coughs> to get this thing. The briefcase from Pulp Fiction is probably the, yeah, the best yeah. example in recent times because you don't even know what's in it. But yeah, it's, it's, that's the one so rabbit's foot in uh, Mission Impossible Three. They're yeah. gleeful about both of those. They're like, yeah, you, we're not even going to tell you what this thing is. I think Tarantino wants to reveal that what's in that briefcase is a brick and a lamp. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. Right, post-apocalyptic mechanical Darwinism. A doctrine that holds that in any movie set in a post-apocalyptic future, only the most destructive products of society will survive, i.e. guns, explosives, fast cars, nuclear devices, cigarettes, and common plentiful and beneficial things, toasters, telephones, indoor plumbing, will have perished from Earth. Example, in Waterworld, clumsy, impractical jet skis survive while millions of other boats from dinghies to ocean liners apparently did not. Apart from that <laughs> one huge oil tanker. Yes. Apart from that one. But that was, again, it was an oil tanker. It's fucking up our oceans. Yes, and the bad guys were called smokers. Ah, smoking. <laughs> okay. Um, all natives speak broken English with a bit of an accent. Because <laughs> if they were talking in their native tongue the whole time, you'd, people would get really upset and bored having to read subtitles. Yeah. That's why, like, the Navi in, uh, in uh, Avatar, specifically, most of them could speak some kind of English. Yeah. It's like, well, thank or, God for that little school then, yeah? Or they'll do the old, um, starting off in their own language with subtitles, yeah. dot, dot, yeah. dot, and then, oh, and no, then halfway through a sentence they become English. Oh, yeah, see, I kind of like that, when it's like, I think, was there a film where the uh, guys were talking German, and then slowly began to talk English? Oh, yes. Yeah, no, that is quite clever when that happens, I like that. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, most Nazis, specifically, when you're seeing a film about Nazis speaking clipped British accents... Yeah. You know, with with slight German tone, <laughs> with the comedy German accent. Yeah, like hello, hello. <laughs> if, <laughs> if the natives of some sun-drenched country are portrayed negatively, there will always be one good guy native on the hero's side to ensure that the story seems balanced. 
This makes no sense because what that means is that anybody with a different viewpoint to the hero, i.e. America, is at fault, and anybody who shares his views is in the right, regardless of skin tone. This makes it okay to kill the natives. Yeah. So, for zeal in true lies, for example. It's okay. We're not, we're not saying we hate all Arabs, just the ones who aren't working for America. Cheers, Cameron. That was good. Yeah, but that is it? technically America's foreign policy, so... Yeah. A specific, oh, that was during the Clinton years as well. <laughs> if you want to see why uh, the, the Arab insurgents were quite angry at America, just look at the way that they're portrayed in True Lies. Like they're, the fucking Three Stooges in that van. Allah! Yeah. God's sake. Inverse law of combat intensity. Why do I feel I should get a flipboard out now? The intensity of combat in battle scenes, this is very simple actually is in inverse proportion to distance from the camera. The guys in the foreground usually at least try to look like they may want to hurt each other. But if you look in the back, far background, you'll see combatants just kind of fanning each other with their swords. <laughs> Extremely popular in, but not limited to all Italian sword and sandal movies. Now, that's not so much true in uh, modern um, battles which involve Massive or some other computer program which gets CG dudes to kill each other. Um, but specifically in, like, I mean, from dusk till dawn, at the end, when you got like two people left, and really just a swarm of vampires who should just fall on them and tear them to bits, you can actually see in the background if you're looking, this, there's back, vampires in the background going, yeah, 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 and just running left and right and not doing anything. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, just, uh, I suppose the, the best thing to do would be to watch a, uh, an, an all-human battle scene, like something like Centurion, where it's Romans fighting Picts, and just see if the stuntmen in the background are really committing to it or not. I'll ask you watch Gladiators, see if that's the same. Well, that's the massive battle at the start of Gladiator. They, there's bound to be people just mucking around in the background there. Yeah. And the, the main point is actually safety, because if, they, if everyone's really fucking going at each other and there's 200 of them, then they can't possibly account for people, you know, losing an eye or something. Yeah. You Why know? do I want to say it's all fun and games until someone loses an eye? <laughs> <laughs> okay, re regarding PCs operating systems, I think we kind of mentioned PCs earlier, but uh, it requires four keystrokes to actually enter three characters. So if somebody's going... All of the actual typing is, seems to be a lot less than what they're typing. Yep. Best one for that is um, Tomorrow Never Dies, Jonathan Price's Elliot Carver, little wireless keyboard, Commander Bond and Wei Lin were found dead in Vietnam. That's got to be about 50, 60 characters. He's typing about 200. <laughs> he continues typing after saying the word Vietnam. You can type Vietnam quicker than you can say it. It's like that bit in Lost in Translation. With intensity. Are you sure he said that? Because it seems like there was more. <laughs> My favourite one is the one that 24 introduced. Oh, yeah. Apple for good guys, PC for bad guys. Yeah. I'm a Mac. <laughs> Therefore, I'm good and I work for America. Uh, very rarely will you see anybody operating with a mouse. I mean, this is something that's present in almost every single computer in the world. Very rarely do they ever not go... <laughs> yep. Unless, unless it's a, an overall villain who's got one of those mouse pens where he just sits there and clicks things and watches his screens change. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Bastards with their special Ponzi screens. Also, <laughs> all, all operating systems in everything apart from, obviously, 24 are the same. So if you're using Windows or some weird derivative of it, then it'll be that. But it's very rarely Windows, is it? I mean, do you really? How often do you ever see Windows yeah. in, uh, in in a movie? It's always some like sort of weird keystroke command hacker thing where it's like it's always like the fucking Matrix. It's always that, as well. Like, was it um, 
the most secure systems in the world, so like the CIA, the um, the NS, the, the, the NSA, etc., always use like BBC Basic computers. Yeah. <laughs> and also, every computer that everyone uses is linked into every other computer, and you can take hold of any computer. And basically, you know, you know, when you when you take hold of someone's computer, you've got to do all kinds of shit to it, and you've got to go through all kinds of of, of things. And somehow these guys can do it with it with minimum of fuss. I just checked his password was Jeff, Jeff G. Jeff. <laughs> Hacking into the Pentagon, click on yes. Click. My favourite was, um, was it Swordfish, Hugh Jackman hacking into the Ministry of Defence, the Department of Defence, in 60 seconds with a gun held to his head and a yeah. prostitute giving him a blowjob. What? On I a laptop. That bit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's a classy film, Swordfish. Yeah. <laughs> it has Halle Berry get a top up in it. Yeah, I mean, she like they they paid her like seventeen billion dollars to do that, and then she did it in Monsters Ball for nothing. No <laughs> yes, worries. but that was artistic. Indeed, or Oscar bait. But she'd already, you know, frittered away her artistic merit at that point. Right, bartender establishing shot. Okay, right, you're a director. You want to establish that somebody's a bartender, specifically in the old west. Cleaning a glass with a towel. Yes, with a team, like the bartender never does anything else. They're never heatedly engaged with another patron. With, with the elbow, the arm holding the glass at almost yep. right angles. And it's always quiet as hell whenever the hero enters the saloon for the first time. Yep. Also, if we're going to go down the salute trope, what happens when the hero walks in? Everyone goes mm-hmm. and stops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whoever's playing the piano stops as well. <laughs> Blink, 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 blink. It's always something like um, Camptown Races that they're playing. It's some weird blinky, <laughs> blinky. <laughs> <laughs> when a fight in a bar breaks out, nearly everyone in the place begins fighting spontaneously and without cause, even with people they've been sitting next to for some time. Yep. <laughs> Shanghai noon. Indeed. It's like, hey you, let's fight. Them's fighting words. Most bar fights in the movies end with the loser being... Slid down the bar. Yes! <laughs> it's so hard, he slides halfway down the bar. In real life, this is impossible. Certainly in Essex, <laughs> our bars are sticky as hell. <laughs> if you're in a bar, specifically more modern ones, what you're likely to find in there that may accompany and punctuate a fight? Jukeboxes. Uh, usually started when? When the fight begins. When somebody is thrown into them, which <laughs> begins the fight. <laughs> It's like, it's like the Fonzie way of starting a jukebox by smashing it at the front. Just starts immediately. Similarly, if it's a fight in a casino, somebody gets slammed into a slot machine and... Oh, it pays and out. Jackpot immediately. <laughs> God's sake. I mean, you know, if you actually went into a Vegas casino and slammed someone's head in ja- a slot machine and it didn't pay out, I think everyone around would be like, huh? That'd be great, wouldn't you? Because you just you'd go with a friend and say, "Right, this is the deal. I will give you half the jackpot if you let if me smash your head into the machine. <laughs> <laughs> let you keep it. Then throw you out on your ass." Everyone, I guarantee you, has a friend that would willingly smash their head into a machine. Disbelief of suspension. Rope and plank bridges are never shown in a film unless they are going to come apart. Exactly. They're going to fall. Ropes will be cut, burned, and frayed. In the case of planks, someone's foot will be fall through the rotten wood. What? Just to emphasise how high the bridge is. Rotten wood. And in fact, now what usually happens is someone goes right through the thing and ends up holding on to another rotten plank, which frankly shouldn't hold their weight at that stage. <laughs> <laughs> of course, in that situation, you also see a little bit of wood and you see it wheel all the way down to the bottom of the chasm and land in the foaming river beneath. Uh, hopefully also into the mouth of a uh, very hungry alligator. Oh, of course, yes. 
pack of alligators. Okay. <laughs> Emergency tour guide. The person in every crowd at the disaster scene who fully extends an arm to point at the obvious thing that everyone is already looking at or running from. Example. The woman near the end of Armageddon who points at the fireball in the sky that everyone on the whole planet is already watching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the other cliche in that is everyone on the whole planet can see it. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? It's Michael Bay. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> well, my favourite uh, sort of reference to this is that bit in um, uh, The Day Before, The Day After Tomorrow in South Park when they're all running from global warming, which is this giant invisible thing chasing them down the street. Yeah. And one guy stops and falls over and goes, No! And then global warming gets him and he just goes, and appears to be dead, but then opens his eye nervously afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the great piss take from Austin Powers 1 with the steamroller. Oh, yes. No! <laughs> that. I was 17 when I saw that in the cinema, and I laughed myself half to death. I think that's the most I've ever laughed in the cinema. <laughs> Loved that. And n- no one was watching Austin Powers at that point. They were all after the full Monty. Yeah, Austin Powers yeah. Strange became a success on video and DVD. Yeah, and which led to the uh, rather unwarranted success of the sequels. Disconnection. Any character who says, I can't tell you over the phone, is will going die, to die before they tell you. <laughs> yes. Doesn't have long to live and will die in the rendezvous. A, without uttering a word. B, mumbling a red herring. Or C, giving an obtuse clue. E.g., beware of the dwarf in foul play. <laughs> beware the dwarf. Also, like, when someone clearly gets killed by their boss... Uh, like Zam Wessel in, in uh, Attack of the Clones. I think we mentioned this in the Star Wars episode. Um, gets shot in the neck by Jango Fett. She should just go, oh, fuck it, it's Jango Fett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that cuts out at least one leg of your journey there, Obi-Wan. He's on Kamino. Go get him. They, they, <laughs> they, they retain their loyalty even though they're only mercenaries. Let it go. Let it go. We've done it. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you're in a car chase. What are you likely to encounter? Girl with boxes. <laughs> Play uh, glass boxes, check. Girl yeah, with a fat Play glass. Play Children. Glass. Yep, check. Uh, ben Just Morris bits. backing out of an alleyway. Check. Did anyone say watermelons? No. Yeah. Watermelons, oh. check. Did anyone say crates full of chickens? <laughs> We're going no, back. but that is a good one. At no point does anybody plough through the crates full of chickens and massacre chickens, leaving dead chickens in the road, burst. And everyone <laughs> in the audience going, oh, God. No, they all fly and away. derailing the car chase. Because <laughs> that's actually what would happen. Can I throw another car one in? This is from Gone in 60 Seconds that always made me laugh. He's driving at top speed in reverse in Eleanor yep. and waves to a kid. There's always yeah. a kid paying attention to see the action where the parents don't. Yeah. <laughs> okay, when cars explode... <laughs> now that, it could be a title of a video. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson video, I'm guessing. Yes. Uh, Okay, so a car's upside down. If the hero's still in it, is it going to explode? Not until he's just got out of it. Yeah, but if someone is in there and the hero's trying to get them out, is it going to explode? Almost certainly. Almost certainly. (laughs) Villains' cars explode when falling over cliffs, often before they've hit the ground. Yep. (laughs) They're just, they're (laughs) flying over going, ah! (sighs) Yeah. If you, also, if you want any proof of like of how badly cars are made today, compare a car chase from the car chase from say Mission well, Impossible it, Two to yeah. something like Diamonds Are Forever. Loads of cars smashed in the you know in the older film, 
no explosions at all. Mission Impossible 2, it just hits a row of parked cars and blows up, landing on top of the parked cars, and then they, I, they explode. I've forgotten everything in Mission Impossible 2, apart from the stupid slow-mo fight on the beach and the bit where uh, Tom Cruise surfs on tarmac. I like oh, Mission yeah. You like Mission Impossible 2? I like Mission Impossible 2. Why? It's a dumb action movie. It's yeah, a, it is. It's a dumb, dumb <laughs> dumber. And it's better than Mission Impossible 1. And really? 3. Excuse me. No, three? I, three I don't, I don't like 3. I don't like 3. Wow. Uh, excuse me. If you're going to argue about Mission Impossible 1, all I'm going to say is he is propelled by an exploding <laughs> helicopter. Oh, yeah, as opposed to that documentary, Mission Impossible 2. Actually, while we're on the exploding helicopter... Exercise in physics. While we're on the exploding helicopter, why does Tom Cruise suddenly become British at the end of that film? What, red light, green red light? light? Green light! It's because they're going through the Channel Tunnel, he just picked it up. I see. Oh, do you know who the guy is that he's doing that red light, green light to? What do you mean? Actually, no, that, that's, uh, sorry, that's um, it's John Voight, isn't it? Yeah. But the guy who's in the rear of the uh, train going, accelerate, accelerate! No, I don't. It's oh. David Schneider. Yeah. Oh, right. Tony Hares from uh, Alan Partridge. <laughs> Back on track, shall we? Right, does anyone know what the Wilhelm scream is? Yes, and I can't do it, but it's the, oh! That's oh! It's the scream that cropped up in every Star every Wars film ever. Well, I'm going to play it now. Oh! It'll be very familiar. There's also, there's like a female version as well, which is like... Oh! 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 Uh, which is just as bad. It's like, when you hear that scream, it's basically like a little signal to your brain saying, that henchman is dead. You yeah. just stop worrying about them. They were kind of pathetic, and now they've fallen over a cliff. It's that simple. I, I never noticed how many films that's in until someone pointed out that it is, it's Fucking one fun. screen. But as soon as someone identifies, says, look, ignore everything else, listen to this, this is the Wilhelm screen. Mm. Every film you see it in, you hear it, and you ah, oh, that's the Wilhelm screen. It's and you so silly. So much more. You can't, imagine if Michael Mann put that in heat. You know, I have this uh, recurring dream. I'm sitting at this big banquet table, and all the victims of all the murders I ever worked are sitting at this table, and they're staring at me with these black eyeballs. I have one where I'm drowning. (laughs) (laughs) If a hero jumps over a waterfall, 99% of the time, the villain surmises that. He's He's dead. dead. 99% of the time, he's he's not. not. (laughs) <laughs> the other 1% of the time There's it's rocks the end the of the movie and it, basically falling over a waterfall is a total rush and it's incredible and it's a good way of getting away from a, a, a you know a dangerous scenario it's not however an absolutely crushing terrifying horrible way to die which is actually what would happen if you fell over a waterfall yeah <laughs> the gun slide rule when an actor has to shoot someone usually at close range the master of arms puts exactly as many bullets in their gun as they need if they use an automatic to shoot a drug dealer twice in the chest, the slide will rack back as the gun empties and stay that way for the duration of the shot. In the next shot, the gun will appear normal. Watch out for it. Even in Pulp Fiction, that happens. That's that, Some of that's dancing health and safety rules. Yeah, well. absolutely. Yeah. If they put like a, a, an extra bullet in there and, you know, I'd rather a stuntman didn't accidentally get killed just for the sake <laughs> of realism. Or should we say a lead actor? Yeah, Brandon Lee, yeah. yeah On a side note, 99% of guns, especially fully automatics, fire far more bullets for far longer than their rates of fire and single magazines provide in real life. Michael Mann is one of the only filmmakers who pays close attention to his portrayal of weaponry in terms of report, fire rate, and impact. 
Also, nobody ever refers to suppressors in the correct manner, always calling them... Silences. This is how long it takes to empty a 30-round mag on an M4 with suppressor. Whereas in movies, they can just keep firing and firing and firing and firing and firing, and eventually they'll put one extra mag in, and then keep firing and firing and firing, and Robocop specifically. I was... I was I actually thought when I was a kid, because I was aware of the physics of it, that somehow Robocop had bullets in his arm that were being fed into the gun. <laughs> no, my favourite is always when you see the Didn't hero... Didn't make any sense. The hero is either Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm. Sylvester Sloan, or Chuck Norris, and they're mm. one-handing an M16. Or an M60. That's it, M60, <laughs> sorry, yeah. yeah. That's a helicopter-mounted gun. <laughs> and they're it one-handing can, it. It can be, you know, used by, like, a heavy machine gun expert, but it's with two hands. Yeah. It can be fired one-handed, but not with any accuracy whatsoever. Yeah, no, be, and, and, I mean, it's not an accurate gun to begin with. No, a normal point, I mean, with my wrists, my wrists would simply snap under the weight yeah. of the damn thing, but... Like right. A lot of the guns, actually, a lot of the guns, they don't really do the the recoil that you get. So, like, when I went to um, L.A., we went to the L.A. Gun Club, and we were firing things like a bolt-action Russian sniper rifle, a Colt 50, piss, uh, sorry, revolver, a Beretta and all that, and every oh. single gun, like, no matter what you fire, it really whips your hand back, and mm. particularly the sniper rifle and the Colt. It just, it, you know, you'd fire, and it's like your arm is then vertical by, before you've even heard the shot. Yeah. And the, you never see that. They can always no. just hold it perfectly straight and then just unless it, No, fire. unless it's a woman who's never fired a gun. They're like, oh, yeah, whoa, it's such a kick. But then Whereas they actually like, fall over, don't they? Woman. Yeah, and it's a comedy <laughs> effect. It's never like, Jesus Christ, I never realised how terrifying weapons actually I always were. think of the, um, the granny, I think it's in Police Academy 4, where they have a granny fire a shotgun and she flies backwards across the academy. <laughs> In fact, yeah, granny with a shotgun is actually quite a, a common staple for comedy movies. Yeah. Uh, a granny will come out of nowhere, even in The Frighteners, granny will come out of nowhere and go, you know, fuck you, asshole, with a shotgun. And it's like, that's really, really inappropriate. Another quick weapon one is, um, and this one was pointed out to me by Kiefer Sutherland in Phone Booth, guns are never cocked. If someone's going to kill someone, they always yes. have to cock the gun. Yeah, especially a pump-action shotgun. Why is it not <laughs> cocked already? Because this sound is scary. Exactly. <laughs> My favourite is if you do see someone cocking a shotgun, you know, in the pump action, mm. they are usually are wasting a shot as well. Which yeah, is no, a funny. shell should eject <laughs> at that point. A little bit of reality on that one. With a, if like a, a, a cop gets a, a shotgun out of the boot of the, the patrol car, mm. it will be loaded, but there will not be a cartridge in already in the chamber. So you would oh. have to rack the movement to, to load one in. Um, but with uh, you see with a pistol, they always pull back the, the, the hammer on a semi-automatic pistol. And um, with most semi-automatic pistols, that wouldn't you can't do that anyway because there'll be the, the way the action works. You pull the trigger, which will cock the gun. You would only do that with a certain number of, of pistols, and so that that isn't as realistic. But the, the the shotgun is a bit more so. In Michael Bay movies, this is one of my slight side notes. <laughs> Specifically, I think in Bad Boys. When they've been shot at over and over again for like two hours of the movie, when it's just before the big showdown at the end, one of them will say, this shit just got real. Like, it wasn't fucking real before. Like, it's not just day-to-day stuff for them. Yeah. <laughs> Reverse Doppler effect. Phenomenon only found in movies where the incoming artillery shell is heard decreasing in pitch. I was quite surprised in Vietnam when during the course of a mortar attack the shells were heard increasing in pitch, as any physics student could have predicted. As in, they, in the movies they go... Whereas in the field it's... 
and then they'll explode on you and kill everyone around you. So I, I can imagine that would be kind of bewildering if you're actually finally in the field and things aren't acting like the movies have told you. The amount of people who've gone through plate glass windows and not died in movies, numbers in the thousands. Mostly in the reality. Heroes. Yeah. Heroes, villains, but specifically heroes are just like, they just run, jump, and go straight through. Often also falling into the street several floors below as well. <laughs> in reality, if you jump through a glass window, what would actually happen is you'd carry on moving, and a lot of the glass would remain in horrible, jagged bits and basically impale you in various different places on your body and lacerate you so that when you fell down, you'd pretty much fucking bleed to death. So I'm going to jump in here. I have a rather large scar on my arm. Oh, Christ. From when I was a kid. <laughs> Did you try and jump through a window? No, I accidentally put my arm through a window and lacerated it to hell and back. I have yeah. uh, quite a large scar on my forearm, but it required 13 stitches. That's how I know that one's bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> imagine if that had been not just your arm, but the whole of you. I've got a similar but um, smaller scar on uh, my left wrist where I punched a window. Jesus. And it cut off, and it's like a millimetre away from the main vein. Although, I will say, the only one that this does apply to is horror movies. I did see a horror movie called The Reeker, where a guy tries to get away from the killer by jumping through a plate glass window, mm. and ends up with a great shard of glass in his neck. Ooh. Well, that's good. They're at least kind of trying to educate you. And it was about because the all only of your good assumptions would be actually like, ah, oh, of course they're just going to get. Is that the, the the killer that smells? I can't say too much because it, some of it's a bit. It's cliched. What a surprise! But the the ending when you find out what's going on, actually quite clever. I might watch that. Then you've got, got the, the complete opposite: Beverly Hills Cop. Axel follows <laughs> a ground floor window, admittedly, but. He's completely uninjured and comfortable enough to sit up in the road and make jokes about being thrown through a window. <laughs> I, one of my favourite references to that is in Firefly in, like, the... I think it's the second episode, the train job, when someone gets thrown through a window in a bar fight, it's a holographic window and it shatters and then reforms. Yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. The flip side, of course, to that is that uh, a lot of the windows that people do get thrown through bar windows and like now due to health and safety will actually be reinforced safety glass so they just bounce back into the room. That very rarely happens. <laughs> Although when it does, it Except is Except for comic effect. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it's only for comic effect. <laughs> Law of poignant remains. Whenever the wreckage of a plane crash is shown, there is always... Uh, a little teddy doll. Bear, a doll. <sighs> teddy bear or a doll in the midst of a wreckage. I was watching The Losers yesterday, which I actually really enjoyed, and... There was a kid with a teddy, and I went, "Oh Christ! This yep. whole helicopter, this whole helicopter's doomed." <laughs> yep. And then I was like, "So just just show the teddy, just show the teddy, just show it burning." And they did. I was like, "Right, that is the saddest fucking high five to show, and I've ever had." It's like, "Yeah, dead kids." <laughs> well, that's kind of obvious because you see them loading the kids onto the helicopter, then yeah. the helicopter exploding. Yeah, well, they were trying to, you know, sacrifice themselves for the kids, but it's the other around. Ah. It's a really good movie, actually. It's like a fuck ton better than uh, um, the fairly similarly themed mercenary movie, The Expendables. Definitely The Expendables. It wasn't god awful, but it's, it's far from a great film. <laughs> what that film needed was more explosions. <laughs> <laughs> All that for a cuddle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Right, so... Rain as an emotion syndrome. When an actor is unable to register shock, the director calls for rain and instructs the actor to make no attempt to avoid getting wet. 
You must walk <laughs> just sort of stands there. the dark evening rain as a tear sh- a single tear shall shed from his eye. If there's three people or more trying to finish a mission or solve a case, one of them, often the lead character's oldest friend, is the villain or a henchman. Or selling them out, strange days. Most action, Max Payne. Yeah. Pretty much it. The, the old friend who you kind of trust, but you're a little bit wary of, you, you're right to be wary of them. However, if old friend isn't actually the, the killer, we're going to fuck you over. Or if it's like a, in a very rare instance, a doomed romance, like the girl of this scenario, or basically just a, a, a compadre who's very special to the hero, when they die, do they just get shot in the head and drop like a sack of potatoes? No. No. They die and they, it takes a long, long, gruelingly long death where they can go on about how much they love you, etc. Trinity, <laughs> Trinity and the Matrix Revolutions. Just die already, you bitch! I've done this once already, for fuck's sake. Fucking hell, I swear, she's, she must be alive for like, she's impaled on steel and she's alive for like seven minutes. <laughs> really low, quiet, soft, very slow. And if minutes. it's a woman, there'll be like a little bit of blood on her mouth, a little bit, but it's all still kind of sexy. And it's a she, she won't in be her eyes. Sets in loaded weapon one, she won't be coughing up blood. Yeah. Oh, just die you, already, please. And often they'll also have the, they'll have the opportunity to, to admit to uh, a secret that, you know, a, a, yeah. maybe a betrayal or something yeah. that the hero will generally always have known about and have already forgiven them for. Yeah, it's only a small betrayal or something. And they'll, feel, they'll be like, I felt terribly guilty about this. Oh, God. At least I got to hold you one last time. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. It's, it's like the worst thing because it's like, couldn't you just... I would just have really appreciated if they'd just been killed in one go, and then just be dead on the floor, hair loose and, and, and filth on their faces, just dead. Even staring, like, just dead eyes. Like, oh my god, they're dead! They're good, even, um... even the almighty Lord of the Rings does that twice. Boromir and then Haldir. Yeah, Alder doesn't get to soliloquise, but Boromir most God, definitely. Boromir's kick ass. He's, you know, he takes three arrows to the chest and he's still fighting. Oh. He deserves a long death scene. Yeah, he's, that, it's fantastic. But that's the one one I will uh, accept. And even then, I, 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 I kind of know it's like it's been done. Okay, I got two ones for you. Okay, one about Boromir is he's kind of glad you brought that up. But it's in, it, it no, it in the movie. No, it is in the book. But I'm just thinking, Sean Bean. If Sean Bean is in a movie. He will die. Yeah, almost certainly. Or I think I actually had a, an idea that. Well, either yeah, one of the and then the other. It's it's like, I think he's probably ranked the one of the highest on people who, if they're in a movie, will probably die. With Bill Paxton surely at number one, isn't he? Bill Paxton. Oh yeah. Bill Paxton. He just always Kevin the Spacey. Same part part of the film as well. It's always about the same part. You know, same distance through the film that he buys yeah. as well. It's like we're sick of Bill Paxton. Let's kill him. <laughs> I was amazed he got through Twister. And one of the good ones I always thought, because we're talking about how if it's the female character, they don't just die. Mm. My only exception I can give you to that is in NCIS, where the female character Kate is killed off with a headshot. What's NCIS? Naval New Crimin- CSI? Sorry. Naval Criminal Investigative, Investigative Service. Is that on TV? Yes. Yeah. It doesn't count, then. <laughs> uh, the Bourne uh, Supremacy. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Die straight off. Well, that's earlier on in the film. To his credit, um, Paul Greengrass doesn't tend to do cliches. And to be fair, like if if the woman dies at the start to motivate the hero, it will be a quick, sudden death. Yeah, and you'll be like, "Oh shit!" 
Often you know, on the scene. Move on. As well. James T. Kirk loophole. Any contrived plot twist that undoes the undoable. The James T. Kirk loophole is named in the spirit of the Star Trek character who says, I don't believe in a no-win situation. Thus, when Spock dies at the end of Star Trek 2, spoiler warning, he is resurrected in Star Trek 3. Also, when Superman is told he can never turn back time, he does it anyway. And in Superman 2, when he gives up his powers forever, he gets them back by the end of the movie. In All Dogs Go to Heaven, when the canine leader is told that if he leaves heaven, he can never return, he does so with no questions asked. In What Dreams May Come, Robin Williams is told he can never get his wife out of purgatory, but he does. Oh, I should know it's hell. Sorry, it's hell. She commits suicide, so she goes to hell. That's one of the many objectionable elements of what dreams may come. <laughs> Seriously, actually, I really love some of the aspects of that film and some of the aspects of that story, but so much of it's like, for fuck's sake, you crass motherfuckers. How dare you say this is the case? You're a villain. You've got your woman tied up. What's she going to do to you? She's going to your face. That you. <laughs> Yeah, indeed. I don't know. It's the only thing that women can do, but they do. Men very rarely do. I've never Men been able to. Do. I, I've always tried Men. to do the proper. Or when you're being tied up by a villain. I, no, not when I'm being tied up. <laughs> generally, I've always just try. I've always wondered if you because they always seem to have a massive globule just in just their mouth, flare, and they yeah. can just spit it, and I can't do that. It's, it's, very, it's very rare you hear them go. <laughs> First, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tied up, going. You make me sick, putoy, and spitting in the face of the next that's, group. That, that's the bit that, like, before the villain walks into the room where the woman is. She's just sitting there for about half an hour, going. This <laughs> 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 one. No bomb can ever be diffused before the ten-second mark. Ever. No, 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 no. It's one second. Yeah, it's, no, 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 it's there are some and seven usually because well, it's double I'm, seven. It's like oh, ha, ha. Yes, that was Goldfinger. <laughs> and I'm sure it's been done since. I'm sure I've seen some 003s as well. Some three seconds to go. Well, yeah, my, well, it's, it's never like, oh, God, only a minute 43. Oh, it's done. It's fine. My, fav- my favourite... <laughs> tense, what a complete waste. I have to point this out, <laughs> this one out, because it did take the piss out of the cliché, was in Galaxy Quest, where they stop the bomb and the counter keeps going until it gets to one, because that's when the bomb always stopped on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, sometimes when they, they cut a wire, suddenly the bomb starts ticking even faster. It's like, oh, God, you've made it angry. Like the one that always disappoints me is um, Octopussy, where he's trying to remove the bomb oh, while it's counting yeah. down. And it gets down to zero. And it's like, well, surely you should be dead now. Doesn't he, like, trip over the power cable, or is that um, Naked Gun 2.5? Fireball, law of physics. The speed of an expanding fireball is in direct relation to the running speed of the slowest major star moving away from the fireball. <laughs> Since fireballs have actually been slowing down recently to accommodate slower stars, even grumpiest old men may be able to work in a fireball. Okay, monologuing. Can you tell me what monologuing is? It is where I will tell you my evil plan, for I have captured you. And I'm holding you at gunpoint. And, and can I will tell- go through every detail of my plan, even though you have, I've got my back to you and you're currently picking through the handcuffs. And oh my God, how did you get out? <laughs> Do you not admire me, sir? I am looking for validation from my nemesis. Oh, you're very clever. You're very clever. You got me monologuing. Nice. <laughs> I love the fact that that was referenced in uh, Incredibles. And in fact, no capes as well. It's, it's being yeah. a good idea for a superhero not to have a cape. Unless it serves a direct purpose like Batman. Even better than the bit where like, they, they actually do syndrome going, oh my god, you got me mad. Like, it's the bit at the start when Samuel L. Jackson and Mr. Incredible are in the car joking. It's like, he starts muggling. He starts muggling. Like, he keeps going and going down to how inevitable my defeat is, how inferior, and going through all the cliches of what they say in the monologue. Yeah. 
And the uh, that happens a lot in in Bond movies as well. Yeah. Like, like well, for a start, there's the I'm going to place him in an easily escapable situation involving an over elaborate and exotic death. I'm going to parodied not so perfectly in Austin Powers. What? What? They, Austin Powers International Man of Mystery made the Bond series have to pull its socks up because when they made Casino Royale, their main remit was, we've got to make this Austin Powers proof. Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, even uh, uh, some of the, the Brosnan films still had that kind of feel to it. I think, I think Tomorrow Never Dies came out um, shortly after Austin Powers and uh, fucking Elliot Carver, Elliot Carver yeah. uh, played by Jonathan Price, is so, like, there's no news like bad news and he may as well put his pinky up to his mouth for that. <laughs> <laughs> no Mr. Like Bond I expect you to die I kind of liked it in spite of all those things that all the parody that, the things that Austin Powers takes the mick out of are the things that I like about Bond but that's a completely different debate that's, that Alex and well, I will have well, I, will, I will so bring you on for the Bond show you are not <laughs> not going to miss that one I promise because uh, you know someone who loves the old star Bond needs to be there to well if nothing else Provide a backdrop for me who hates the old bonds now. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't hate all of them, but uh, I, I do. I, I see them more as comedies now than thrillers. He's monologuing! <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. A straightforward hero will never overkill a villain. He will only ever stab him once, usually with the villain's own knife, which was intended for the hero. Never frenzied multiple stabs with the hero's own knife. A hero will never beat a villain to death. I mean, sometimes like a, a villain will come back to life and then the hero will be justified to kill them again. Um, but it's, he'll never go mental with it. Acceptable methods include shooting them in the nick of time, especially if they were about to kill the heroine, blowing a villain up with explosives, extra points if they were the villain's explosives, the villains being thrown, punched, knocked, shot, or inadvertently falling to their death, and even then the hero usually tries to save them, which leads to the inevitable final betrayal, which isn't really betrayal because they're a two-dimensional at best villain. Or... The hero has the opportunity to shoot the villain, but decides not to, because vengeance is never a good thing. Then the villain will 99% of the time... Draw a weapon. (laughs) Reach for a concealed or backup weapon, invariably a small pistol from their boot or pocket, and in slow motion, draw on the hero when their back is turned. An onlooker, usually the heroine, will catch sight of them and signal the hero with a gasp, which gives the hero full license to turn and shoot the villain dead. See, bad boys. Because they have proved themselves unrepentant and a danger to society. The only heroes who are allowed to viciously kill the villains are... George Dredd. John McClane. Anti-heroes. And dark heroes, such as Hartigan in Sin City, played by Bruce Willis. Though in Hollywood, their preferred methods are to leave the villain chained to something that's about to explode and walk away coldly towards the camera while the screaming bad guy goes up in flames. Mad Max. Yes. And Man on Fire, at least. Uh, any others that you can think of that have that bit in it? Would you count like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where he um, he lets that guy get sucked into the the steamroller, just but gets him to hold? Oh no! Doesn't he try and save him? He he like pulls on his scarf or something. No, no, I'll pull you out. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. But as soon as he notices that that bloke's scarf is trapped, he gives the bloke the rope. Um, the is it Pat? What's his name? Pat 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 Roach. Roach. Yeah, Pat Roach. He gives. He's also the, uh, the hey, Jungen, the big guy in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. He is, and he's someone in Last Crusade, but I can never remember who. I can never remember who. Oh, um, I, oh fuck, I do know this one. He's somewhere Karen. around the ch- tank chase, I think. But, um, yeah. we'll say yeah, he's, he's the, the big guy that gets out and punches him. Uh, yes. <laughs> But if, he's, if he's a big guy punching him, it's Pat Roach. He was also General Kale in Willow. He's, he's worked very uh, strongly with uh, the Lucasfilm folks. Yeah. 
But in Indiana Jones, like when Pat Roach's scarf gets um, caught and he starts getting sucked in, and he, the, you know, it's clear that he's not going to get out. Indiana, Indy hands him the rope, and mm. the guy holds onto it, not you know thinking he can pull himself out. But Indy's using it to get himself. A, you know, oh, that's cold. It is I hadn't cold. even thought about that. It's but cold. yeah, I, I always thought he was trying to save him. No, 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 no. He's done. He's doing it to get himself out. Oh, that is dark. I know. It's, it's the one the thing that Indy does that, that I don't quite agree with. But then I do because you think, well, it's Indiana Jones, and th- this guy was even. This guy whipped children. The yeah. steamroller is the least thing. Probably he worse. That's, yeah, I mean, John McClane does... I mean, he fucked Carl up. I'm going to fucking kill you! I'm going to fucking, fucking eat you! Yeah. Basically, the second that a hero starts shiving someone over and over again, going, <laughs> you're like, whoa, I can't relate to this man anymore. It. It's usually because they've gone off the rails or they've just taken so much they can't take it anymore. Yeah, and then they become a dark hero. Nobody, Riggs, could not fucking knife someone to pieces in le- a lethal weapon, and then Danny Glover goes, yeah, he deserved that. <laughs> <laughs> Riggs is crazy, but he's not a vicious, knife-happy killer. <laughs> Again, it's kind of dark heroes, but in the remake of First Blood with Benicio Del Toro, The Hunted, him and Tommy Lee Jones have a long extended knife fight, and as opposed to the average knife fight where it's sort of like a lot of like flinging your arms about, it's like lots of very quick movements and they keep cutting each other over and over again until basically Del Toro's Rambo character just dies of blood loss. It's horrible, but much more realistic. And no one's seen that movie. No. Bad guy corners victim and points his gun. A shot rings out. Bad guy smiles ironically and then... Falls down. Dies. Yes. Slumps to the ground dead. Audience and victims realise at the same time that victim is still alive, or hero. Someone else shot the bad guy in the back. Who? Camera cuts to the unlikely shooter slash hero, a non-violent type who is not supposed to be at the scene and has never fired a gun before. He or she is still aiming the gun in trembling, outstretched hands. And they usually then just, if they're a woman, drop it and start crying. This one can be used in uh, Die Hard. They're like, oh, I, va- I validated myself. It was worth it. This one can be used <laughs> for some actually genuinely brilliant moment, moments. So I, I love the bit at the end of um, Pirates of the Caribbean one where mm. shoots you know, shoots um, Will. Oh no, wait, Barbosa's the one, and, the, and he can gloat. Ah, oh, but you wasted your wasted <laughs> your shot. And then it's because he goes, yeah. and then he gets shot. The other one I love, and I know it's not. Um, Movies, but I, I, 24 is so action like it's it's almost like a TV movie. It's, uh-huh. it's the um, yeah, I was gonna say 24 is like a TV movie, it is. It's, it's season four where they've you said that out, like it's a good thing. I, no, I do, I love 24, but I'm gonna <laughs> stop there because you'll probably kick me off. Can uh, I just point out then Alan from Die Hard with him? Alan, because right then he's never fired his gun till he, yeah, got oh, no, no, he, he fired it before and he shot a kid. Oh, yeah. yes. And vowed like, never to fire it again. It was worth keeping the gun on him. Oh, and um, Dude from Falling Down, played by Robert Duvall. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's, he hasn't fired his gun ever. He never swears he's a good cop, and then in the end he ends up shooting Dude dead. Um, and he had a water pistol. I really like Falling Down. It's a great film. Yeah. It's probably Michael Douglas's best performance as well. Interesting. Mm. Okay. If nobody was recovered... They're alive! Of course they are. Especially if they're a villain. Sorry, the worst one of that I ever saw, and I know Alex is going to mock me, but it was a TV show, and it was CSI New York, and Mm -hmm. Fat Edward Furlong falls off a lighthouse (laughs) only to come back. What? (laughs) He should have (laughs) burst. Right, on to rom-coms.
Uh, are any of you familiar with the term Mary Sue? Yeah. I've heard of it, but I couldn't tell you what it means. Let me shed some light on it. A Mary Sue is a fictional character with overly idealised and hackneyed mannerisms, lacking noteworthy flaws and primarily functioning as a wish-fulfillment fantasy for the author or reader. They turn up most often actually in fan fiction, but the worlds of cinema, literature and theatre are also home to them. Perhaps the single underlying feature of all characters described as Mary Sues is that they are too ostentatious for an audience's taste, or that the author seems to favour the character too highly. The author may seem to push how exceptional and wonderful the Mary Sue character is on his or her audience, sometimes leading the audience to dislike or even resent the character fairly quickly. Such a character could be described as an author's pet. The term Mary Sue is from the name of a character created by Paula Smith in 1973 for her parody story, A Trekkie's Tale, published in her fanzine Menagerie No. 2. The story starred Lieutenant Mary Sue, the youngest lieutenant of the fleet, only 15 and a half years old, and satirised unrealistic and adolescent wish fantasy characters in Star Trek fanfic. The term is also associated with clichés such as exotic hair and eye colours, mystical or superhuman powers, exotic pets, possession or origin, or an unusually tragic past, especially like if they burned your village down when you were a kid, especially when these things are glaringly out of step with the consistency of the canon. These features are commonplace in Mary Sue's, though even a character who lacks them may be labelled as Sue by some critics. The term is more broadly associated with characters who are exceptionally and improbably lucky. A good luck may involve romance. Mary Sue always gets her man. Adventure. Mary Sue always wins a fight and knows how to solve a puzzle. And popularity. The right people seem to gravitate towards the character. These characters have few problems while attempting to achieve their goals. Everything goes her way is a common criticism regarding Mary Sue's. The implication being that the character is not sufficiently humanised or challenged to be interesting or sympathetic. Way to spot a Mary Sue. Usually Buck's authority. Gets into trouble for the former, but gets consistently brilliant results nonetheless. Very handsome, all beautiful, with striking features that are consistently described, including eyes, hair and scent that are remarked upon by most people who meet them. Described as being magnificently skillful, smart, brave and accomplished. Also seem to be disproportionately lucky, meaning that those skills are rarely tested. And get swept up in a tempestuous romance with the male or female lead. So anything written by Stephanie Myers then? <laughs> you know what? I was going to keep off that because I, I've got, I know at least that uh, Tony's wife Liz really, really loves her some Twilight. But I was going to say, to begin with, Bella is a little bit of a Mary Sue. She's like, you know, everyone's like, oh, you've got such beautiful hair and such milky white skin. And she's like, I'm just me, you know. And <laughs> well, say later, she gets more complex. But to start with, she's a bit kind of, oh, you know. All you're I'm just going doing... to say is vampires don't fucking sparkle. Garth Marenghi is a Mary Sue, and obviously so, a parody of some. <laughs> Aside from his wheelchair, Jake Sully is a Mary Sue. Seriously, yeah. tell me the weaknesses and the character flaws in Jake Sully. He's only got anything. He's just a you know good old fashioned American soldier who's you know had some terrible fucking luck with his legs, and you know his brothers died, and now he's on this planet, and he just happens to be able to be the best Navi that ever lived. He's <laughs> better than most of the Navi as well. Yeah, I mean, he he does things that all the rest of them would be scared to do because he's not afraid because he'd lose everything otherwise. I I kind of I I really like Avatar, but that is one Mary Sue right there. James Bond when he's badly written, is a total Mary Sue. Yeah. I mean, when, it, when he's well written, there's some really good bits in Casino Royale when he's staring into the mirror looking for his soul. 
And he's, you know, it's obvious he's alcoholic, he's a womanizer, and that's not a good thing. In Tomorrow Never Dies, Brosnan is, is actually kind of broken up about Paris Carver's death. And, and seems to be a little bit self-loathing, but it's so rare. Any time they reference um, Teresa as well, Tracy from yeah. Her Majesty's Secret Service, like they mention it, I, I, she's covered. I, Roger Moore, I'd say, is the most Mary Sue out of all of yeah. the, the Bonds. But there are two films where they actually quite poignantly remind you that he was married. In um, yeah, he goes to her grave or something. Doesn't he, he goes to her grave in For Your Eyes Only, at the start of For Your Eyes Only, and he looks genuinely sad. And then in Spy Who Loved Me when. Triple uh, X is you know, spouting off all she knows about him, and mm. she, you know, many lovers, but only married once. Wife was killed. All right, you've made your point. You're yes. sensitive about certain things. Yes, it's like and, he, and he's like, yeah, seriously, fuck off. Not that area. Yeah. Now, on Her Majesty's Secret Service is probably the, one of the worst old Bond films, but that bit at the end is one of the best bits in the old Bond films. Yep, completely agree with you on that. We'll talk about that in a different episode. <laughs> Zach Brannigan is a buffoonish caricature of a Mary Sue, and by extension, James T. Kirk is a bit of a Mary Sue too. Yeah. I, I, mean, I love me some Captain Kirk. I but love he's, me some Zaf. He's got some fantastic cat-like reflexes, <laughs> i got to say, and, and he's really good at the old you know, put, put both hands together and punch down on someone's back. That's the old Kirk manoeuvre. Or, in fact, use them like for a hammer blow. Um, but uh, yeah, he's fantastically good at fighting. He always makes the right decisions, even if they seem like the wrong decisions. And uh, it's only when he gets broken up about things that he can't actually control and that maybe were caused by him that you see that there's a bit more of a character there. And I think there's a lot of scope for the Abrams uh, Kirk to, to actually expand and grow. And I, I, I love him in the, in the movie, specifically when Spock dies uh, and everything surrounding that um, and his son. Uh, Kirk actually expands and grows as a character, but it took him fucking long enough. <laughs> right. The Lombarda Factor. No matter how quickly it gets made, any film produced to cash in on the latest fashion fad trend or gimmick will be out of date by the time it is released, because the fashion fad trend or gimmick will have become passé. See breakdancing, disco, Macarena, etc. Yep. Although street dance, I like what like, all the step up and... And street dance and all this bollocks. Like, we, we haven't got rid of that yet. I, I love the way the Twilight movies are being made. They're really fucking churning them out because, I mean, that's how you should do sequels. Just like finish the first one, get straight onto the second one. Finish the second one, get straight onto the third one. Yeah. Just get it done rather than the fucking around that they did with the, uh, the the Potter film. Sometimes took a way way longer than they needed to to come out, but at least they came out. And the fucking Narnia films, forget about it. Oh yeah. They're kind of making sure that they surf the vampire wave at the crest, because the second that thing falls, it's going to fall big time. Please bring back the decent vampires. The kind with blood in them. Yes. <laughs> okay, right. School bell. Any class ever, ever on film is less than four minutes away from finishing. Yeah. Yeah. In High School Musical, they actually managed to start and finish a class within five minutes. There isn't any cut or anything. It just starts. Everyone comes and sits down. They pass a note. The teacher gets angry at them for passing notes. Then the bell rings. It's like, for God's sake. They're almost always in the middle of a really interesting conversation about something. And the teacher's talking to them about that. And they they get to the point where it's like, right, now we can open up for a really interesting (laughs) conversation. Ring. Everyone's to go. Also, the students can automatically leave on the bell. I don't know about your, you guys, but on our, at our school, that we can leave. That bell is for me, not you. <laughs> 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 oh, horrible flashback. Oh, God. In fact, some of the only stuff you ever see in, uh, in school which isn't 
doesn't have that bell is Bueller. 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 Um, he's sick. In 1930, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of the... Anyone? Anyone? The Great Depression, passed the... Anyone? Anyone? The tariff bill, the Hawley-Smoot Tariff Act, which... Anyone raised or lowered? Raised tariffs in an effort to collect more revenue for the federal government. Did it work? Anyone? Anyone know the effects? It did not work, and the United States sank deeper into the Great Depression. Today, we have a similar debate over this. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone seen this before? Anyone? There's like shots of these kids drooling into their books. They're so fucking bored. Okay. <laughs> That guy actually had lived on. He was actually an uh, economics teacher, and he uh, he just started saying that because that's basically economic economics classes. That's all genuine stuff that he just knew. Has anyone seen a Son of Rambo? Yes. There's a really great uh, geography teacher in that who's basically going. I, I knew everyone remember their time when they did geography and how fucking inane everything was in there. Anyone who has actually gone on to do something involving geography will be able to tell you that that was all the boring stuff and that everything that they do is probably a lot more interesting. But you always learn about the national rainfall of Sweden or something like that. And this teacher is just going through the motions and going, anyone, anyone, to tell me why the the lake is has a, has a you know higher water margin is it because particularly arrogant lake or is it something to do with silt if you were going to say silt you would be correct and it's just like <laughs> for fuck's sake next time you see something happening at school just wait for the bell it's coming in seconds or or if they're having a particularly dramatic conversation the mm. bell will go hence the expression saved by the bell now and what a cracking tv show that was right every every time there is a cut specifically in rom-coms every time there's a cut to a cat and the cat's just standing there or sitting there, what you immediately hear, meow. <laughs> Even though the cat's fucking mouth isn't moving. It's like, okay, it's a cat, I get it. Meow. Okay, it's, I get it, it's a cat. <laughs> just making sure you knew it was a cat. I've not noticed that one, but I'm going to have to keep an eye out for that. It's seriously, whenever you see a cat in a movie, they'll you'll be usually, especially if it's a rom-com, it'll just go, meow. Just like say, look, there's a cat. It's alive, it's not stuffed. I know it's not stuff, it's heads moving. Okay, and also if someone throws something out of a window, they'll hear a flattering sound and a comedy cat noise of meow. Oh, yes. Disappears into a blind alley on a runaway bike or something, there'll be the sound of a bin falling over and comedy cat noise. Is that like a cat equivalent of the Wilhelm scream? Basically, yeah. (laughs) Meow! If it's a remake of an old TV show, it there will be a cameo from... The original stars. Oh, yes. <laughs> Even, I mean, the A-team had two of them. One of them's dead, obviously, but Mr. T said no. Yes, but Mr. T also hates that movie. He does? Yes. I really quite liked it. And I he's busy it. with those Snickers adverts, so... <laughs> and Warcraft adverts. Yes. Well, Jolly Born Day. Any obviously concocted song sung during a birthday party scene chosen so the producers can avoid paying the royalty fees for... Happy Happy Birthday. birthday. Let's find out right now how much the royalties are for Happy Birthday, because I want to sing it now. Warner Chappelle purchased the company owning the copyright for 15 million. The copyright on it is 15 million. You have to pay, oh, 700 bucks? That's nothing. I I, I wouldn't want to have to pay that every time I sing Happy Birthday. Yeah, but in a film... 
for the yeah. sake of realism, pay it. Seven hundred dollars, you cheap motherfuckers. Bear in mind, no movie makes a profit except for Avatar. No, even Avatar didn't make a profit. Really? I thought no. it was like the most profitable film of all. What about the Blair Witch Project? <laughs> Not according to Hollywood accountants. Uh, of course, yes. While a woman can have a gay friend who's funny and outrageous and talks about sex incessantly, he's never actually allowed to... Have sex? Yes, have sex of any kind. Yeah. You never it's, like, it's off limits. Seriously, talk about it, dude. Do not have it. And don't be kissing a guy in front of us on camera. Guys never have lesbian friends either. Just about to say, nine out of ten gay friends are, are men because Hollywood still doesn't understand lesbians. They don't understand gay men either, but they can be easier portrayed as being funny. Brad Pitt had a uh, gay colleague in uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. They didn't make too much of a big deal out of it. Um, Steve Martin had a gay friend in uh, L.A. Story, but again, you've got to be taking note that uh, she's not specifically attracted to him. It's rare. She's my lesbian friend. You just never hear anyone say that. Okay, speaking of uh, assumptions, someone does an incredible amount of stunts on a motorbike and then, you know, comes in and, and, uh, and pulls off the helmet to reveal... It's a woman! It's a woman! And then they shake their hair out and it's always perfectly... Yeah, I was about uh, to say, where the fuck's the helmet hair? It's all, yeah, it's never like up in a horrible sweaty lump. You assumed it was a man, but it was a woman. Even now, even in 2011, that shit happens. Yeah. Yeah, I would re if I was going to do a film, I'd have this giant, like, guy in a mask fight the hero, and then when uh, the hero kicks him in the balls, he goes, Oh, my testicles! My precious testicles! And at the end of the fight, when he manages to pin this giant guy down, pulls off the helmet to reveal a fairly slender woman. You're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> the only thing I can think of that's similar to that is, uh, I'm going to really, I can't believe I'm referencing this movie, uh, Dick Tracy. No Face was Madonna. Oh, God. No Face. I don't remember. I haven't seen Dick Tracy more than, for, say, 45 minutes. I got sick of it. It was a horrible film. <laughs> it is a horrible movie. It's, it's, it's the, one of the only bad old Al Pacino movies. What is the hardest word to master in the English language for the rest of the world? Anti-disestablishmentarianism? Nope. Mirror? Nope. It's not nuclear vessels either. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Yes. No matter how well a foreigner speaks English, he will never be able to master yes and will invariably be forced to rely on its equivalent in his native tongue. See. <laughs> da. da. It'll just be like, this person is definitely Russian. They say da rather than yes. Also, mister as well. Or if they're German, they mister. might. If they don't say jar, they might say, chess, that is your wife. <laughs> <laughs> this is your wife. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any German listeners out there, that's just how you're portrayed in movies. Sorry about that. Indecisive disappointment rule. Screenwriter filled with feelings but short on words has characters say, yes, no, I don't know, or I don't know what to think anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. Although, to be fair, I feel like that quite a lot of the time, to be honest, so, you know, <laughs> I can sympathize. <laughs> but would you, would you say it in a conversation? Yes, no, I don't know what to think anymore. Just go, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I would generally go with this sort of... This, you just would say it more like Simon Peck, and it would sound more apathetic real. Pathetic version of the second version. Oh, pff, I don't know. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't care. Estrogen Trinity. This specifically implies, not specifically to rom-coms, but female-aimed dramas. 
The holy female trinity in tear-jerking dramas consists of one, the heroine, who is shy and unsure of her own power as a human being. Two, the mentor, who is brash and outspoken and helps heroine acquire those same qualities. And three, the corpse, the mother-slash-daughter-slash-sister-slash-friend, who announces during dinner that she's been diagnosed with a terminal illness and has less than three reels to live, who helps each of the others achieve perspective <laughs> and maybe cop an Oscar for the funeral scene. Now, I don't watch stuff like Steel Magnolias in terms of endearment. Anybody uh, had the pleasure? No. I can only hope there are women out there nodding their heads and going, yes... <laughs> Specifically, also, cough. If you cough in a film, you're dead. You are a <laughs> dead person talking. I, uh, <coughs> <coughs> no one ever just has a cough. Or to a lesser extent, if you just, just if you use one of those asthma like inhalers. Tuberculosis or something. No, no, inhaler, it could, could be like, uh, if you're a child with an asthma inhaler, you're going to have a near-fatal asthma attack at some point in the yeah. film. Or... Or if, if you're you have some sort of tuberculosis, basically. Or if you have some sort of allergic reaction, you will be dead by the end of the movie. Oh God, yeah. If you, if you mention at any point I'm allergic to peanuts, you're gonna be eating peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> I, I was thinking bee stings, but hey ho. Or in the, yeah, of course, bee stings. Um, actually, uh, I was just thinking peanut peanuts because in uh, Dan Brown's book, The Da Vinci Code, which is rubbish, by the way, uh, he mentions oh. for no reason whatsoever that someone has a severe peanut allergy, and then that someone takes a drink of whiskey and it tastes kind of salty. I'm like for fuck's sake, there's peanuts in it, dude. I could tell you that. <laughs> and of course there is, and he goes, "Oh no, I'm dying of the peanuts." All I can say is, <laughs> ah! I'm riddled with peanuts. I want, that, I want that on my gravestone. I died of the peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I'm dying. Cough, then fall over dead. <laughs> okay. Say you're, you're in a film. Somebody gives you a present on the film. How do you unwrap it? Carefully. Do you, do you very carefully slide a knife down the uh, side portion and then take Tear off... Tear it off! You, you, pull, off you pull the, um, the different ends of the bow and it just unravels. No, you're all wrong. It's you basically take the lid off the pre-wrapped box. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> so just be in there, and therefore when they have to do take two, you just put it back in there, put the lid back on again. <laughs> no one ever unwraps unwraps a present. And then there's usually a bomb in it. Now, since you mentioned... <laughs> even in a rom-com. Since you mentioned... Uh, since you mentioned Top Secret, Neil, I went and watched it on um, uh, Love Film, and uh, yeah, you're right. Sex by the Fireplace. There's a bit... When they, uh, they, they have sex and, uh, it sort of, you know, th- th- they embrace for the first time and it slowly cuts to the si- a fireplace and then they roll in front of the fireplace. So it's like, well, we, we were supposed to be cutting away at that point and it slowly cuts to the right and then there's another fireplace there. And then later on they're on parachutes and the, the, you know, the, the, they're having this sort of long drawn out conversation and like she sort of turns away from him on the parachute, says, I just don't know what to think anymore. And then he pulls her back to him, turns her around and kisses her and then it's cut sli- slowly over to the right and there's a parachute fireplace coming down <laughs> next to it's brilliant I mean th- that film Family Guy owes so much to those Zucker films I've got to say uh, and I mean, it's, it's, it's not brilliant top secret but there are some bits that really made me chuckle that bit where he's uh, crawling through a fence and then uh, you know they're trying to break into a, a German camp and then he sort of you know he, you get his it's sort of a low shot of him crawling along the ground, and then he comes face to face with a pair of, you know, big long leather boots, and he sort of slowly pans up towards nothing. It's just a pair of boots in a field for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if it's not a fireplace, what could they cut to? Sex so scene. A phallic symbol of rocket taking off or something. In a man's film, this is a woman's <laughs> film. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it usually go outside or to a window? Yes. 
A beach is also good. Beach with crashing waves. Strewn clothes around the hotel room. Yeah, Yeah. like the line of clothes leading to the bed. It never cuts to the TV and there's monkeys having sex. (laughs) 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 Or they show the sex, which is rare in uh, rom-coms, but uh, specifically if it's in like a a passionate thriller or or, uh, something like that, uh, the sex is always fantastic and it ends in simultaneous orgasm. It's never awkward, especially since it's for the first fucking time most of the time. I know I've seen some. I've seen some female ones where it's like really awkward. Like my my ex made me watch um, "Waiting to Exhale." Oh yeah. Where um, uh, oh, who's it? Whitney Houston is going out with this guy who he he lays her down on the bed and then just goes straight in. Like she hasn't even undressed. He just goes straight in and goes for and it. goes. Oh, that was good. And then just flops onto. Her. Yeah, she's, 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 she's saying to him like, "Look, do you not want to like build up to this? Do you not want to like do some foreplay? No, obviously not as blunt as that. You know, do you, you know, we don't have to rush. We don't have to take it time." I was like, "No, I'm in now. We're going now." <laughs> not meaning to be coarse, but I've never seen a movie where some guy's like, "Oh, sorry, it fell out." Could you? <laughs> See, I, I don't want to get too scatological, but that, especially when you're oh, no, first no, 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 no does occasionally happen you know, just, just, just to let you guys know it does, you're like whoops <laughs> but, but you laugh it off you move on <laughs> the other time is like when, when they use it to take the mick um, and take the mick out of sex scenes and it's purposefully awkward you always hear like just a lot of fumbling and just like oh, oh am I in yet no oh, look, look give me here I'll, I'll, let me move over Hang on. and it's all a bit awkward and it's, un- and it's necessarily it's not going well yeah, that's in a comedy. There's never a thriller where uh, it's all going great, and then the woman goes, "Ow, oh Jesus!" Okay, <laughs> you're just a bit big. The just... one I want to see, I, I want to see a, a Bond film. No, no, where you're you see, fine. Like... You're just a bit big. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> I'd, I'd love <laughs> to see like, like um... just reset people thinking. Oh, all he, all he ever does is fall out. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see um, one like one of those thrillers, like a Bond film or something, where you see the 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 long line of strewn clothes. It, moves up past the champagne glasses, and then all you hear is the girl say, in a sweet but disappointed voice, is that it? <laughs> oh, James, in a pitying way, rather yeah, than exactly. James. <laughs> oh, James. James. Or James. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, whoever the girl wakes up with James the first time, you're never going to see her again. Even if she survives, you're yep. just, just, she's just a thing to him. Right, when the man and woman wake up, they're in an L-shaped blanket. (laughs) It covers the woman's breasts and everything below them, and the man's waist and everything below that. Yeah. But he's definitely got a bit of chest on show. (laughs) And if he lies on top of her, invariably, there's a blanket between them. Yeah, I don't get how that works. The blanket's on top of him as well. Unless his, chest, unless his chest is pressed so far down that you can't see anything of her. And when she gets up, it's always, you know, it, no one ever just gets up and walks naked to somewhere and then walks back, unless they're a little floozy. Yeah. And like, oh, I'm just going to go to the bathroom and come back. <laughs> when she stands up and takes the blanket away, he's always left with a strategically placed sheet that he can... Oh, he's wearing himself. boxer shorts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, right, here's another thing. You never see the penis or vagina unless the director is or is trying to be very mature. Yeah. It's very simple. I mean, you will see tits, almost definitely. If you see either of the sexual organs, it's for a goddamn good reason. Where does Watch fit in, then? 
If you don't, I was going to say, yeah, Zack Snyder was there trying to be very mature. <laughs> the giant blue penis is not mature. <laughs> you can't have that in the same film as someone having their entire like leg exploding from a bullet. The um, the closest you'll see is like on the the woman, you'll see hair. You won't see a, a little tiny a wisp, like, like a little. Oh, did I say it? No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we call it a pause button wrecker. Any <laughs> pregnant woman, any pregnant woman will give birth by the end of the film. Yes. If there and are in the case t- of a thriller, at the least convenient moment, in 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 a, a toilet or a cab or something. If there are two pregnant women, they will give birth at the same time, maybe the same room. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how these hospitals are doing. Just just chuck them both in together. They know each other. That will really help. <laughs> they're going through the most personal fucking moment of their lives they want to be able to talk with their aunt who's also pregnant or it'll be at home with the least prepared person acting as the midwife yeah. who doesn't know what the fuck to do get yeah. some boiling towels and clean water yeah that's, that's the only thing everyone knows to do <laughs> newborn babies in movies instantly look about 7 months old and weigh about 25 pounds their postpartum mother seems perfectly refreshed made up and comfortable despite the gargantuan child she's just given birth to and usually covered in jam. Uh, or completely clean. Yes. Obviously. Often they're, yes. they're completely no, clean. Ironically, one of the only, and I've actually witnessed a birth, one of the only realistic births I've ever seen, the baby wasn't even goddamn real. Children of men. It was a CGI baby. And that sort of slithering, weird, rubbery thing looked far more real than any of those, like, seven-month-old babies I've seen on film. Weird. Two girls. One's hot and a bitch, and wants to change the guy. One's pretty and loves him for who he is. Somehow it's still a big decision for the guy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> for the female equivalent, the nicer guy is always a lot more handsome and roguish than the stuffed shirt she's supposed to marry. But the difference is, he doesn't have as good a job. Isn't that fucked up? Yeah. He can't offer me the same kind of security. Well, maybe love is more important. Yeah, you think? Uh, that okay. said, like to go back to the previous point though, the um, out, out of the attractive bitch and the not so attractive shy girl, the not so attractive shy girl will always be not unattractive. Yeah, no, she's not unattractive. She's, she's wearing glasses, so she's obviously she's she's off, maybe yeah. she'll take her glasses off and her hair will come down. And be like, oh, actually, you're also really hot, so it's win-win. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, I'm thinking Boof in uh, uh, Teen Wolf at this point. It's like, yeah, I'd just have gone for her straight away. The other girl's a complete bitch. Tween Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> to a movie theater near you. Rated PG-13. Rob Schneider is a Wall Street executive with everything going for him. Only problem is, he's about to become a carrot. I'm a carrot. It's 24 carrot comedy. Oh, oh, Rob Schneider oh, 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 oh. a carrot. Rated PG-13. Old Hollywood. Things you don't see in movies anymore. This is for anything that I found particularly noteworthy in the book that's actually no longer relevant, or just things that I thought of myself. Um, I've only put five examples down here, but by all means, come up with any that you've got. Uh, men slapping hysterical women. <laughs> i got to get out of here! i got to get out of here! Done, calm down, calm down. done to absolute perfection in aeroplane. Of course. Since then, it's been kind of, well, you can't really slap a woman for that. 
Women fainting when overcome with emotion. But you must be, oh, falling down with a fit of the vapours. That doesn't happen. People sat on park benches reading newspapers and spying through holes cut in them. (laughs) (laughs) And now back to 1943's fast-talking high trousers. Well, isn't this a fine song and dance? What are you getting so hot about? Keep your shirt on. Where do you get off making remarks like that? Supposing I say you're a lunkhead. Well, I ain't much for supposing. Well, supposing you were. Well, maybe I'm through supposing and I'm fixed to start figuring. Ah, horseradish. Well, aren't you a pocket full of firecrackers? Oh, yeah? You got something to say about it? I'll say plenty. These two are both fairly relatively recently. You don't actually these days see people firing their automatics on their side, gangland style all that often, because it makes them jam up. And people diving sideways in slow motion whilst firing two guns at once in any non-ironic way. Thank you, John Woo. Yeah, I mean, basically, John Woo did it now and to the point where anyone who ever does that is doing that. You wouldn't have an action hero doing that and you're supposed to go, oh, yes, that's a really exciting scene. <laughs> You'd be like, ah, I see. <laughs> Although, what was the one Trinity did? Oh, she did it backwards through a window. Yeah. I mean, all of the stuff in The Matrix was kind of like you know, taking the John Woo thing to the absolute <laughs> ultimate. I really still think that The Matrix action scenes have not been bettered. There's been more realistic action. I love the fight scenes in the uh, the Bourne trilogy, but in terms of eye-popping action sequences, we'll talk about this in the Matrix episode. But I it just it kind of peaked there, and it hasn't really it hasn't ever made me go Jesus fucking Christ since then. Maybe it's just because I'm not 19 anymore, and I require movies with a bit more substance. But the Matrix had that too. The first one, anyway. Yeah, the first one. God's sake. <laughs> uh, anybody? Anything else that you don't see much anymore? Ooh, how about the when they're having when they're usually seeing a car they always flip the the visor down and the keys are magically there. Yes, no, that's never. You know, <laughs> everyone be stupid to keep their keys in the uh, flat there. Here you go. Uh, this this one's actually from the book and it's it it just shows the book's age. Uh, Universal movie computer operating laws and it's actually number three. Every teenage computer user is a hacker and owns a modem. See war games, etc. Ooh, a modem! <laughs> I think you... well, that's just the whole hacker thing. That goes back to the swordfish point we made earlier. You know, you can hack into anything with just a laptop, and it's always teenagers that can do it. Back in the 80s, when the internet was just being developed, and just in the early 90s, they didn't know. Hollywood didn't know what the internet was capable of, so everything that it can do in movies is ridiculous. Like, um, I'm thinking Superman 3 here. Uh, oh, God. The shit that goes down in Superman 3. I mean, I think from one workstation, Richard Pryor manages to take over the entire world, and he gets, like, toasters start moving on their own because of him. It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) A computer is... Academy Mandate. The feeling by Oscar winners that an award for their film work is validation of their personal beliefs. Example, Vanessa Redgrave's Zionist hoodlum speech. Oliver Stone's insistence that his award for Platoon were an anti-Vietnam war statement by the Academy. Richard Attenborough's accepting the Oscar for Gandhi, the movie on behalf of Gandhi the man. And James Cameron asking for a moment of silence for the Titanic victims. Oh, God. Yeah. Right. Didn't he follow that up with, I'm the king of the world? That was before. He was like, I'm the king of the world, but please, a moment of silence. He's <laughs> like, hey, oh, for fuck's sake. Okay, and this is the year when he just won Best Director and Best Film for Titanic, and LA Confidential was just sitting on its heels at that point, going, anything for me? Yeah. Ah, Best what? Adapted Screenplay. Thank what? you so much. Wait, Alex, are you saying the Oscars are political? Yes, they are. No film set in Australia is allowed to use the word Australia in its title, where Down Under is an acceptable alternative. For example, we don't get The Rescuers in Australia or Quigley in Australia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, except there's only one exception to this rule. 
Australia. Australia. They couldn't call it just Down Under. They'd be like, what's that about? These are Ebert's Three Laws of Motion Pictures. A movie is not what it is about, but about how it is about it. Ah, very strokey beardy. I like that. No good movie is too long. No bad movie is short enough. Uh, Speed Racer is a good movie, and it's too fucking long. Seriously, it is 25 minutes too long. Inception is 25 minutes too long, and that is a damn good movie. Yeah, but I agree with the bad movie part. No bad yeah. movie is sure enough. There's no bad movie where you're like, oh, seriously, I could take another hour of this. Keep going, guys. <laughs> you should Remember, you should always cut out ten minutes of your movie and make thine helicopter explode. <laughs> no good movie is depressing all bad movies are depressing no the road is fucking depressing the pursuit of happiness is fucking depressing yeah maybe this is just me and my limited experience of films but anywhere well, certain films anytime something says critically acclaimed it means depressing as fuck uh, there is a section I'm going to get to in just a minute where we can we can translate these poster quotes. Excellent. But yeah, okay. You're absolutely right on that. The ellipsis principle. Any film that combines reviewers' quotes with ellipses, ellipses can't be any good. Because. A reviewer that says this movie was dot 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 amazing probably read this movie was so awful it is amazing how it ever got made. Reviews, reviews of three words or less, e.g., funny, what a movie. Are especially cause for concern. Anything with movie of the decade usually is pretty oh, one. Especially in like the first year of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. And to borrow another one from Kermode, anything advertised on the side of buses? Yeah, usually yeah. that's a good rule. I think they proved him one with Shaun of the Dead was on the side of buses and phone booths. Can I just mention my favourite little bit of bullshit, um, like hype on a box ever? Yeah. Is off the Highlander 2. Oh my god. Are you ready for this? A, how have you got that? <laughs> oh, I don't have this. I, I've seen this. Uh, oh, sorry. I, I, there's only one Highlander movie for the record. There can only be one! Exactly. <laughs> it, says, it says to the boards at the bottom, the best and smartest sci-fi thriller since Blade Runner. Ooh. It's not. It is not. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And this is Highlander fucking doe. This involves Zeist, and any Highlander fan has just got the cold shivers, because I said it. I am an alien from the planet Zeist. I don't know why he's German. Right. <laughs> Gandhi movie. Any film which is undoubtedly good, perhaps great, but once you've seen it, there is absolutely no reason to ever want to see it again. Examples. Gandhi, The Last Emperor, Passage to India, long documentaries about the Holocaust, most of the French New Wave, all of underground art house films of the 60s, the lesser works of Bergman and Antonioni, and Woody Allen's serious movies. If there's a fat suit in a movie, it's not funny. It's that simple. <laughs> then ex explain Big Mama's house, one, two, and God damn it, three! I think I, I just did. <laughs> I, I, I personally quite liked Big Mama's house, one, and Nutty Professor, what? two, but that's what? just me. <laughs> Having said that, I haven't watched them for about ten years. Okay, my next rule is, well, there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, nobody ever takes their socks and shoes off during a sex scene, because <laughs> it's fucking awkward. Can I just say that all sex scenes in movies are usually pointless as well? Yeah, uh, except for if they're really torrid, like um, The History of Violence. That's fucking brilliant sex scene in that. Well, the biggest, <laughs> my biggest example of the most pointless sex scene in a movie... Underworld 2, where they are being chased by a master vampire and have sex. have sex. Let us have sex in this warehouse. 
I don't know why she's German. Well, <laughs> you've got stuck on fake German accent, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, you need to reset up. your accent module. Okay. Um. Don't mention the war. <laughs> I did once, but I think I got away with it. Right, sequels. <laughs> if it has a two on it, it's going to be good. If it has a three on it, it's going to be good. If it has a four and upwards, it's going to be bad. Only... Four, four and onwards is only for shitty horror movies like Saw 4. And even then, the colon slash subtitles start making appearances like Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, Friday the 13th Part 4, The Final Chapter. There were eight more after that. (laughs) (laughs) Hence, on bigger budget films, you don't get Alien 4, it's called Alien Resurrection. And Live Free or Die Hard, or the even cleverer Die Hard 4.0, because that's like they've thought about it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Or 4.less. It's even easier to fuck around with. Or or my favourite one, it's got to be Rocky 6, otherwise known as Rocky Balboa. Rambo 4 or Rambo. Um, uh, The Fast and the Furious one's completely nonsensical. The Fast and the Furious... Too, too fast, fast, too furious. Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. Fast and Furious. So, like, every time I mention that fucking film, I have to qualify which one it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then this the one. new... It's called just Fast Five. The Fast Five, yes. Uh, surely it should be called Faster and Furiouser. Faster and more furious, I think you'll find. <laughs> and inevitably, prequels are invariably subtitled, colon, The Beginning. And Origins. Awful. Yeah, Origins. I mean, there are almost no prequels that are really good. I can't really think of many. Um, but also the B-movie genre, this big dumping ground of films and television, has become a huge cultural item because there's so much of it. Now, I love it. I tend to watch television only now between 12 and 4 in the morning, and you get this rubbish on it. Absolutely. I can watch it for I don't know why. It must be, just be crap. Uh, but it does. You know, like the horror movies that come on, and you know they're on telly, even if you're not watching, because all the, the theme tunes are... dun dun da dun 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 Oh my god, oh my god. And all the titles of the films are The Thing That Came From Somewhere, The House That Jack Built. You know, all this kind of Expensive horror films have more expensive theme tunes, and there would be sort of choirs of small children going, Ah, I die It's like those people who go camping in, in millions of films. Let's go camping in the forest of death and blood. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Forest of death and blood. Is there a story behind that lens of the, the forest? Why, well, yes. If one goes there, dies of death and blood. Right? I'll pass on this. Um, I've just got my cat's exploded and I've got a bad leg anyway. They go off and they camp in the forest and then a storm comes in. They can't go back. The bridge has been blown up by squirrels. And they stay in a hut, a wooden hut. And in the middle of the night, some twit said, Look, there's something moving in the forest about eight miles away. I'll go and check. <laughs> don't check, please don't check. That's what curtains are for to go, Oh my god. <laughs> but they say, I'll go and check and I'll take a thimble with me. <laughs> don't come near me, I've got a thimble. And they never listen to the music, do they? They never do. Na 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 We'd be going up and going down there. It's spooky down there. Na 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 It's spooky down here too. Na 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 La 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 la
sometimes. The Cynic's Guide to the Language in Film Festival Catalogue Descriptions, but you could also apply this to any kind of poster quotes. Demanding means unwatchable. <laughs> Rigorous means tedious. Yep. Playful means stupid. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Unabashed. Unabashed means shamelessly stupid. Yep. Aspires or aims means fails. Fail. <laughs> this is the point. Subtle emotions means no acting whatsoever. Beautifully rendered images, very, very slow. Yes. <laughs> Great cinematography. Epic means very, very long. Provocative, sex scenes. Daring, sex scenes with children. Tender. <laughs> <laughs> tender. Tender means nudity. Effervescent, vapid. Ambiguous, underlit. Gritty, underexposed. Raucous, overacted. Outrageous performances, really badly overacted. Raw, unedited. Simple story, underwritten. Fluid camera work, rock video. Vibrant, at least one non-white actor. Urban, all non-white actors. Transgressive, all gay cast. Flamboyant, transgressive in drag. (laughs) Uncompromisingly transgressive, male-male kissing. Frank, lesbian cast. Delirious, amateurish. Hybrid, appeals to fans of neither genre. Majestic, dull. Mood piece, plotless. Moody, suicide-inducing. Twilight! <laughs> Sly means snide. Surreal, random collection of shots. Uplifting, naive. Warm or charming, inane. Heart-wrenching, sappy. Seamless, sleep-inducing. Oblique, opaque. Challenging, absolutely unwatchable. <laughs> Intimate, home movie. Meditative, endless. Rich, overstuffed, original, gimmicky, eerie, depraved, (laughs) unsettling, nauseating, understated, no dialogue, impressive, director managed to finish it. (laughs) Was I the only one thinking of DVDs in my my collection? (laughs) For everyone you were saying. Definitely, uh, yeah, let's bring into mind a couple of uh, my uh, guilty pleasures there. Okay, so, I mean, is there anything we haven't mentioned or covered? I mean, obviously, there's going to be a whole bunch, and, and I'm going to start a thread, and, and obviously, you, you guys listening at home can, can add your own. Oh, uh, I would like to point horror movie fans to, if it's up there, search out KDS 2.0 and look for the one called On Horror. We had the You Will Die list, which went on for about two pages, and it you was... You will die if you do any of the following. Yes. If you drink beer, you will die. If you have, if you sex, have sex, you will die. die. If you drugs, you will die. Will die. If you have a promiscuous attitude to sex and are female, you are going to die in such a horrible way. Uh, you will get a shovel stuck through you, springs to mind. Yeah. It's like, why don't you come over here and do me? <laughs> I think we could talk about this at a later date, definitely, but horror movies are like Hansel and Gretel. They're like cautionary tales for teenagers saying, don't fuck about or someone will kill you. With the one exception being cabin fever, where if you drink beer, you don't die. Yeah, and my wife had a real problem with cabin fever because the guys in that die, but the girls in it have their skin rot off and get <laughs> Eli. All I'm going to say is Eli Roth. He's a naughty boy, that Eli Roth. <laughs> no, he's a talentless hack that people thought had talent. Indeed, and uh, he clearly hates women. <laughs> Hence why I've never watched Hostel Part 2. <laughs> oh, God, right. 
Okay, so any, anything else? Or are we done? I think uh, done. Usually, <laughs> the, can I just point out, for horror movies, the kiss of death is usually in space. Yeah. And if, if it's a creature feature that looks like a really low-budget version of Alien, it's shit. I can tell you right now, it's shit. You don't even have to check it out. If it's got, like, the fucking beast on the front and it's called something like Hell Beast, or, it's or shit. The rock. Oh, as well, to go back to the end, the... the if it's Korean, like... it might be good. Like, uh, the, the host, that was really good. To go back to the, the film language, if it's something beats something, it means not as good as either of those things. <laughs> <laughs> All meets inception for the adjustment bureau. Isn't okay. it? Could you could you say one thing for me? Yeah. By your command. By your command. <laughs> have I got a robot again? You have yep. got something on. A bugger and bollocking hell. <laughs> I never had that about Star Galactica. Maybe the new series. Yep. <laughs> okay, well, that will be it from us. Gentlemen, plug your show. Seeing as I'm not silent at the minute, I shall plug Gameburst over at gameburst.co.uk. You can find our weekly 30-minute news roundup on a Sunday and the roundtable quiz or replay show on a Thursday. Thank you very much. And we will be back next week with more Gonzo. It will be Never Mind the Buzz Geeks again, and we are talking about 80s music. Done. Been... done. <laughs> I have been Alex Shaw, and I will see you there. And what? how should we sign off this week? I'll be right back! Yes! <laughs> With films now, you can actually tell a lot about the plot just by hearing the opening music. I mean, for example, if you hear this kind of music... <laughs> you're thinking, there's a nut around here somewhere, isn't there? <laughs> Where is he? Where is he? Oh, there he is, right there! In the car, with his knuckles whitening on the wheel, the rain lashing on the roof. He's staring into the big house in the Hollywood Hills. He bears them ill will. <laughs> but inside the house, of course, they're totally oblivious, listening to a bit of light dinner jazz. <laughs> and the host is helpfully explaining the plot. As a rich advertising executive, I've been ruthless in my drive to the top. I only hope there's no psychotic ex-employee who bears me a violent grudge. <laughs> I think there is, mate. <laughs> now, this kind of film is not new. Uh, this could have easily been done in the silent era. The same plot, the nutter, in the car, in the jalopy, the rain on the roof. But the music, of course, will be slightly different. The music will be like this, won't it? car with a white riding. Look out, it's the nutter! <laughs> but inside, totally oblivious. <laughs> Rob Schneider, derp de derp. Derp de derpity derpy derp. Until one day, a derp a derp a derp a derp. Derp de derp. From the creators of Derp and Tumpty Tiddly Dumpty Derp, Rob Schneider is the Derpty Derpty Tiddly Derpy Derpy Derp, rated PG 13.